Hello, welcome to another episode of uh, Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I have with me Tomas, who is a security consultant. Welcome, Tomas. How are you? Hi, Alan. Nice Maybe to see you. Give a quick introduction about yourself. So I'm a security consultant in Talsec. We are a Czech-based mobile security company focused on app protection, API protection, prevention of reverse engineering, and we help our clients to get most of security into their applications so they can be protected against various known mobile threats. So it's like helping them uh, to build overall security posture for their mobile applications. And I usually just talk, explain concepts and help them to understand which part or which technologies they should use to um, ensure that their application is safe. And I'll help them to uh, install Rasp shielding, which is something we developed. So this is my daily bread and butter, explaining and helping others with security. So is Telsec specifically focusing on Flutter or just all kinds of mobile development? Uh, we are focused on all kinds of mobile development like iOS, Android, whatever framework or environment you choose. But recently we shifted to Flutter because Flutter is quite new and its security is not so well understood yet. And a lot of developers struggle with understanding what actually should they do on their side when they are developing Flutter applications. So we are now leaning towards this Flutter and uh, examining Flutter, learning its deep level stuff, how it works internally. So we can introduce new protection mechanisms that would uh, be beneficial to Flutter developers. Now, does Flutter bring more problems or less problems when it comes to security-wise? As I see it, uh, Flutter is technically more focused only on the user interface side of development. And it usually depends on underlying security mechanisms. If it's on Android, you still have to work with Android permissions. You still have to understand how security is set up on Android. If it's on iOS, you still have to work with iOS underlying keychain and other biometric stuff, which is there. So Flutter on itself doesn't bring anything new to security. And it actually is uh, try doing uh, really small steps towards better security. But uh, I'm not like really... Uh, um, I don't like what they do because I think that their uh, approach to security is really a bit small. And for example, if you open flutter.dev website, you will find you will find security section. There are like three pages, like where to report bugs and things like that. But there is not much about security return. So I think that this is a huge mistake, and it should be repair or fixed in future because uh, many new and like new new developers are now jumping on this flutter wagon and they don't know anything about security and if you look at 
Android or iOS security pages, they are great. You will find a lot of resources there and everything. But if you look at Flutter, you will find nothing. So you may be misled to think that you don't have to do anything, which is, mm. of course, wrong. So this is something unfortunate, but that's the state of the uh, that's the current state. Yeah, I mean, that's the tricky part, right? It, you, you did get it right in the head where it's Flutter's really focused on the UI and some of the underlying things uh, when using Flutter is definitely going to be um, abstracted, right? I mean, you're just writing a Flutter app. You're not writing an iOS app using Flutter. If you understand what I'm trying to say, like you're not really focusing on iOS parts, except you have, like you said, if you have to add in permissions or some other iOS or platform specific things. So. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so the one, one of the things that Flutter tries to bring is obfuscation, but uh, it again is done a little bit uh, varied way because it provides you with a flag uh, dash dash obfuscate, but in reality, this obfuscation isn't doing anything which is uh, known as obfuscation. It just minimizes or like renames variables to be shorter and nothing else. So uh, oftentimes people ask me like, should we turn this obfuscation and will my code be obfuscated suddenly? And I just have to explain them. This is nothing which will bring you any obfuscation to your app. It just minimizes variables and that's it. Nothing else. No code flattening. No like... Uh, uh, shaping of code, no virtualization of code, no advanced features or which are uh, natural to or nowadays known in obfuscation field. It just renames variables. So this is only thing that uh, is in Flutter currently available uh, in uh, the basic Flutter. And I think that's sad because people then lose a lot of security features that are naturally available on other platforms. Um, I mean, you're talking about obfuscation, right? I mean, do you mind to kind of give a, a talk about what is, or give an explanation about what is obfuscation and why would I want to have that? Uh, well, obfuscation is a broader subject, but uh, it is oftentimes explained like hiding the real meaning of your code. So the attacker can't, understand your algorithms, your business logic, and it helps you or it helps you to get some prevention uh, in case attacker would be like uh, trying to infiltrate your business and under like to understand your business and this will postpone the possible breach. So obfuscation is not uh, like cryptographically secure or like this level of protection but it's like practical level of security uh, when you want to hide something for uh, to uh, introduce some additional time time needed for reverse engineering on reverse engineers side so this is concept some people dislike it because uh, a lot of purists would prefer to have everything open sourced which is completely okay for me but other people prefer to have their uh, intellectual property protected to, so they can handle their uh, uh, authorship or their uh, rights and uh, copyright. 
So there are various people and uh, I, I understand that a lot of people need and want offuscation. So uh, in case of flutter, it's quite hard to get this thing done because there is no other offuscation possible for flutter applications in comparison with Android, for example, where you can use various offuscators like dprotect or mvll to uh, get protect, uh, offuscation on java code kotlin code c code c++ code i think also rust so it's completely different and flutter is uh, way behind in these areas yeah i mean i guess if you needed to keep something so secret but uh i mean even if without the code you could still kind of get some information right just by say you know, you tap a button and it makes you can kind of like listen to the requests coming in and out of the app, right? You can also get some information from that too. Basically, sniff the packets. Yes, uh, for that you would use uh, at a, like network level countermeasures, uh, like certification pinning, or mm. maybe a tool we've developed recently called Epicrypt, which will help you to check that. Uh, all the traffic is coming from a genuine application. So uh, there are various approaches, standard approaches that reverse engineers do. And the work we do in TASEC is to uh, create obstacles. So this, uh, this uh, normal penetration testing or reverse engineering work can't be done and hence your application will get more resilient against possible attacks. Uh, as we, for example, I talk about that obfuscation, I have another example. Uh, for example, there are, are really uh, precious algorithms, which are for, for example, image processing or camera processing, uh, which uh, you don't want to give away because there are other market competitors uh, striving to get the same algorithm done. But at the same time, you can't distribute this algorithm like in some other way. You have to have it statically placed in the application. If, for example, if there are some kind of camera-like application or Adobe-like photo editor, you need to have these algorithms in the application baked in. Yet, you still don't want to uh, uh, like give chance to your competitors to copy or understand how you did it, how you uh, solved some problem. So there's another, this is some kind of protection needed. Um, also commonly we are used, uh, we are requested to protect payment processors. Uh, if you have, for example, some Revolut-like or uh, Tide-like payment application, uh, the financial industry is really strict on the security and such applications are required to withstand some penetration testing and reverse engineering attempts. So this is also a really common customer for us. So we help to protect these banking industry clients. Yeah, we have uh, comments in YouTube came in saying it's funny because Flutter creators praise themselves and say obfuscation is a great thing for securing apps, but you obviously don't agree that that should be the only thing, right? Mm, like obfuscation is 
decent uh, way to protect some aspects, but there are other vectors we help to protect. Um, uh, for example, overlay attacks. Uh, you can have some third-party application which will try to steal, for example, your data from within application. So you can imagine you as a user have some uh, application with sensitive information about you and some third-party application will run uh, overlay on top of your application which will for example sniff your tabs so they can collect uh, for example your pin or they will uh, record whatever you will display in the application so some third-party application can basically read all the numbers on your transactions in your banking applications easily if you have no overlay protection. So this is one kind of threat which you can't solve by obfuscation, but it's common on mobile platforms. There is one thing that always comes up in my mind, and I think a lot of us are guilty of this, where we compile our app with, say, some, uh, some special key inside, right? Like an API key something like that for sure i know that's not the right thing to do because basically somebody can decompile your app and strings are basically stored as just plain text strings right what do you recommend that we should do instead of just say storing the plain the plain string within the, the app well uh, this this is of course a thing that is commonly asked and uh, our approach is uh, an epicrypt technology we've developed and that is technology that will help you to create a secure channel between your application and your backend system like one-to-one -one in band approach without any third-party services and uh, we can create um, something called um, like continuous testing of your application so that you will know on your backend that a request comes from your application. And why I'm going to say it like this, uh, you should technically uh, not include your keys in the application, but you should uh, download them dynamically in best case. And with the Epicrypt, you can ensure that uh, the request for like get me my keys is coming from your genuine application without any reverse engineering attempts because it's really strong and sound and you can then give the keys on demand to your client application dynamically so this is uh, the best approach we have nowadays but if you just uh, put your keys in plain text in your applications. They are simply readable, just you can uh, write uh, strings, name of your application, APK in your terminal, and you will see all the, uh, all the API keys. So you should do something, but it's hard, yeah. So I recommend Epicrypt technology for this. Now, so the Epicrypt is gonna, is gonna define some kind of special communication, right? It's quite secure. Can you talk about what that what that uh, protocol is, or is that a secret between? Uh, uh, it, it's 
It's based on our Rasp shield in your application. So if you put a Rasp shield in your application, that will collect various threat signals and ensure that there is no ongoing reverse engineering attempt. So this Rasp shield gives us the information that um, this application client is trustable, that is genuine, that it's like your, it's, there's no, no threat going on. And this information is uh, magically added to a long, let's say, uh, cryptogram or like long string and encrypted on your client. Uh, it's all done in our SDK. And on your backend side, with your key, you can decrypt this uh, payload, check that, okay, this device is no rooted, there is no tampering uh, of uh, system, the application is not tampered. So I know that this request is coming from my application and I can send back the API key for some third-party service, some logging service, whatever. So this way you will know that you are not giving your keys to anyone, but you are giving your keys just to your application and then your application can do whatever uh, it needs to do with those keys. But at that moment, you already know that you've done the most they can do to ensure that no one can get access to your keys and yet the keys are available to your application. What about like if, I mean, when you send those off, it's going to go into memory, right? So are they also encrypted too? Because people can probably also read memory using different kinds of ways, right? Yes. Uh, so we also check the memory and sanitize the memory. So uh, if we all see that something is trying to get into memory, uh, this request, you will see in your in this EpiCrypt request that this device is tempered somehow. It's actually quite hard to do it uh, like uh, in a legitimate way because there are uh, dozens of signals we can uh, use or various checks we can pro do to ensure that uh, someone is trying to attack your application, its memory and whatever it needs. So it's hard to hack it because um, maybe we will not spot directly the memory manipulation, but we will see that the device is not genuine in some other way, like it's, for example, has unlocked bootloader or something, something like that. And um, it will, we provide like a really high level of uh, security that or to, uh, like knowledge that the device is safe. So, uh, it's a highly improbable improbable that uh, someone would be ever, like someone could do such an attack. Of course, uh, it would it, it would be done on some like really high level, like Samsung, uh, for example, released uh, uh, unsafe device with some malware pre-installed. It would be hard even for us, but we provide. Uh, like really high level of security. Yeah. So we have another question from the audience and he asked if you can provide an example of such a such overlay attack. We talked about overlay attacks earlier. In the past, these attacks were um, popularized as, as cloak and dagger. So you can uh, Google cloak and dagger attacks on Android. 
and you will find a lot of resources on this kind of attacks. Uh, these attacks were relevant for up to Android 7 devices and then they were mitigated in some way. So, uh, for example, for newer device Androids, you don't have to uh, solve this problem, but a lot of uh, application vendors still supports Android 5 and newer. So there is still a gap that needs to be solved. We have another question from Tony Thomas, who's asking, while implementing SSL pinning for Flutter application, do we also need to do it for both Dart network layer and native network layer? Or if our app is using both networking, is there a library that does it both? Mm. So basically, if we implement the SSL pinning for Flutter, does it also kind of protect us on the Dart side or do we need to actually do pinning in many other places? Like basically, I guess he's trying to say, where should I do the pinning of my SSL certificate? On the native side, on the Flutter side, or on I understand the Dart it. side? Yeah. Uh, currently, you have uh, pinning available out of the box uh, in, the, in, in Flutter, I think. So you don't have to develop it yourself in case you are, uh, if you, you like the uh, pre-made one. So you don't have to develop it yourself. Uh, the current one is developed in in Dart, I think. But we also provide a dynamic uh, certification pinning, SSL pinning. And it is for the cases uh, when you want to solve issues with SSL pinning, because SSL pinning has some issues. And those are, for example, if someone won't update your application, and uh, your uh, certifications expire and you will have to roll out a new version of application, those users with old version of application will, will be unable to connect to your services. So, for example, for this, you need something better. And in this case, you have to develop it yourself. Like you said, you can choose if you will use native or Dart. I think that both ways are possible and it's uh, up to you. Yeah, we have people saying, you know, thank you for your time, for what you're sharing. And again, uh, your biggest fan is a me, me Yeti, I guess, and asking those kind of questions. Um, I mean, I think there's also an 80-20 rule to security, right? I mean, most people's apps maybe will never be as popular as, say, the top 10 apps on any of the app stores. But that doesn't mean that we should not be worrying about security, and security should not be an afterthought, right? And exactly, yes. That a lot of people will kind of start programming with Flutter, or there's a lot of beginner developers. I mean, is there some kind of like 80-20 rule that we could apply saying, what would be 20% of, of security stuff that we can do that will block, protect us at least 80%, you know? Like, what kind of small things can we do that can be a big help for our apps when we're developing them security-wise? <laughs> Okay, so uh, really simple things you can do uh, are like if you want to check your security posture, you can try Mobile Security Framework, MOPSF, it's acronym. 
you will find this project on github you can just uh, run it in a docker so it's a few commands and you will drag and drop your application into it and it will do some automated analysis statical analysis of your application and you will quickly see if you have any visible secrets if you have any unprotected uh, like uh, uh, entry points to your application or if you have um, other like for example URLs uh, to your databases and so uh, it, will, it will generate you automatically a report which you can read yourself and see how well you, you have done so you can use this mobile application uh, mobile security framework uh, to check your security then if you want to be really strict uh, there is uh, OWASP mobile application standard and that thing comes with uh, like 90 different checks for areas like safe storage authentication cryptography resiliency architecture uh, platform platform specific things uh, so like 90 checks for which you will check yourself that you uh, did correctly, that you didn't leave any uh, empty or, or blind spots in your application. And this is actually something really uh, standard nowadays. This is part of penetration testing process to check that application adheres to this OWASP MESS standard and you can also try it on your own application uh, i should warn you that this will take you like a month of work if you will do it first time because it's a ton of data and ton of things you have to read and check but this is the most complete security checklist and standard you can find today for mobile applications it's uh, actually written for iOS and Android, but don't worry, majority of these things are also relevant for Flutter application on mobile platforms. So you will do good if you will try to check it yourself and ensure that your application is adhering to this standard. It actually comes with some something calls security profiles and those profiles will help you to check the subset of security features your, your application should have so for example if you are the most most uh, sensitive government financial application uh, you will need its most strict profile with resiliency and everything but in many cases you will find out that your application can be uh, can have uh, lesser requirements on the from the standard so you will maybe have a lot less work because uh, some security profiles are quite easy to pass so this is something you can do to ensure that you are developing application security but as i said it takes a lot of time to do it right now you you keep talking about this Apicrypt, right? Can you talk more about it? It seems like it does more than just a couple of things. It seems that it it, it has a lot of uh, utility, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the device side, we'll collect uh, all the information about the system, about the application, about all various hacking or known hacking approaches which can be detected from within the application. So, for example, if someone tries to create a fake clone of your application, we can easily detect it because it will have different signatures and things like that. So we'll collect these signals and uh, use this to ensure that uh, whenever you will add this cryptogram to your network call, uh, on your backend side, you will decrypt it and understand whether this call is uh, we actually were uh, granted uh, Ernst and Young the cyberspace trophy for this innovation. Uh, so we are really proud about this, te this technology. And it's something that uh, really uh, blurs the protection because it's not only client protection or not API protection, but it actually connects application and API protections together. So your API, and that's this something uh, really I should really stress out, is that your API will be protected uh, at the same time against, for example, API abusal, DDoS attacks, botnets, uh, other scripters, maybe some scalpers or uh, scrapers or other illegitimate uh, attempts to extract your business logic from your API. So this EpicCrypt not only handles application security, but it actually protects everything from application to your backend and with no uh, like delays or no artificial or other systems involved, you just install our technology into your application and uh, you will set up it on your backend side in some gateway or in ingest or other technology you use on the backend. And you will magically get a lot of security baked in. Sounds pretty powerful. I mean, does this is this available for free? Or is there part of it that's available for free? Or is it 100% paid? How, how does it work? How can I use it? Uh, this EpiCrypt is 100% paid, but we provide uh, like a free tasting of our services. And I'm thankful you asked about it uh, because uh, we like uh, one year ago, we released a completely freemium version of our shielding product. And you can find it on uh, PubDev uh, under name FreeRasp. So FreeRasp. Is a really popular plugin nowadays for Flutter applications that will give you a lot of safety, safety checks into your application and it's freemium model so you can use it for applications up to 100k users uh, monthly I think so it really generals offers and this free RAS will help, help you to know if your application uh, is uh, being targeted by some reverse engineering or republished on some third-party store if your application uh, is 
being hooked by some Freda or Shadow or other hooking framework, or if your application was installed from some untrusted installation method, like for example, from ADB or some third party store. And uh, this is not the, it has no full power of EpiCrypt. Uh, the FreeRasp is only application side shield but uh, it will help you a lot to ensure and maybe uh, like check if your application is not being actively attacked somewhere. So uh, we are really proud about this free Rasp. It's already installed in more than 1000 of applications. So uh, we have a like solid track record for this free Rasp and uh, community help has helped us a lot to uh, initially uh, iron out any uh, bugs or things like that so it's really stable now and it will uh, give you a lot of value for free as i said so definitely check free rasp for flutter by dalsec on pubdev and you will see if it will help you Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check this out. I'm I'm quite curious about this because I do have a lot of clients who ask me questions though. But uh, one more question though too, because uh, we can build Flutter apps using, you know, of course, web, Windows, Mac OS. Does this tool also work for those two or no? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, this tool works only for Android and iOS and we don't support uh, desktop or web yet because these platforms have a completely different set of threads than we we have solved so far in our mobile shields but i hope that one day we will also cover these areas but for now it's only for mobile platforms as i said but uh, i think that uh, you can configure your application so uh, that it will be used only for these platforms and you will leave your uh, web-based version intact because um, in fact for, uh, I will leave the platform uh, the desktop platform aside but speaking of web deployment uh, you don't have as many threads as you have for mobile application you have a different threads but uh, if you develop your application with Flutter and create a web build and you will serve this web build from some web uh, server, uh, you should be fine without the, this additional protection because there are no those kind of threats we have to solve on mobile platforms. Okay, we have another question from Tony Thomas. Tony's asking, can you compare SSL pinning to EpiCrypt, please? Because he's new to security. Yes, thank you for the question, Tony. Uh, like, this is something uh, like a completely new uh, level of uh, or layer of security on top of uh, the, the traditional network security. So SSL pinning on itself will only grant you that your application is talking to your backend, but not the other way. And uh, this SSL pinning is mainly done because you want to prevent men in the middle attacks. So to prevent men in the middle attacks, you need SSL pinning, but this is just a, one of many other possible attacks. 
So uh, this EpiCrypt uh, also covers the, all the other attacks. So there is no uh, like direct comparison. So I think that uh, it's hard to compare this side by side. Uh, you can have both, and uh, because uh, why not? And the SSL pinning uh, is easy to do uh, on Flutter, but on itself, EpiCrypt should be uh, much more powerful than SSL pinning. So uh, I would say that you can even no, <laughs> you, no, you shouldn't leave the SSL pinning because there are other things yeah so you should ideally employ both these technologies because you can have some third-party plugins who may communicate over your configuration yet it's really complicated because you can employ some third-party plugin that will not use the ssl pinning you will provide so it's really really a big mess and you have to uh, consult every application case specifically. So yes, you should use both these technologies. They can complement each other. Uh, it's completely dependent on the case. Now I had a, I had a quick question over here. Sorry. The, a lot of people are using uh, Firebase for their their, their backend, right? Maybe they're not an expert in backends or whatever reason. I know there's quite a lot of people using it in professional instance. Now, if I install Firebase by default, am I pretty well protected with my backend? I mean, does Firebase offer something or do you have any insight on this at all? Yes, I have insight on this and no, there is no additional protection because of Firebase is uh, depending on which uh, services, uh, if it's database, uh, real-time database, authentication, uh, crashlytics or that, that monitoring thing. Uh, there is no like security on itself baked in. So if you, it's just connection to the Firebase services and if you install it, you have no security in it. It's just uh, what you would expect. It talks to those Firebase databases and nothing else. So you still need to add additional security mechanisms on top of these if you want to ensure. For example, we have a really nice use case with the Firebase authentication. Uh, when your application uses Firebase authentication, this uh, it uses actually uh, JOT to authenticate user. So once the user signs in from the application, the Firebase server will return a JOT, the token for authentication into your application as a single file. And some third-party attacker for maybe able to exfiltrate somehow this, uh, this thing. So uh, for that, there are various uh, approaches how an attacker may be able to exfiltrate this JOT token. And it's a really serious threat because it's effectively, it's, uh, it's effectively something called session hijacking. So if you want to prevent session hijacking, you need to have additional security layers like EpiCrypt. Uh, I see Yeti is asking about uh, Firebase security rules. 
Uh, those are mainly used to prevent, uh, for example, enumerating of your databases and uh, to uh, set up uh, user user roles on the content, if I remember correctly. So yes, uh, those are great way to prevent or to set up who has access, like access management. Uh, but uh, still, if you have some admin administrator application for a mobile phone, which will talk to the backend and someone will create a clone or extract its secrets and make uh, fake fake calls to your Firebase backend, uh, such an attacker will be able to attack your database because uh, you will use uh, legitimate uh, secrets and pro user profile and uh, access rights. So uh, these security rules doesn't solve the mobile threats. And for example, if you if you have issue like many uh, e-commerce customers have with scrapers and scalpers, uh, those are attackers who try to find some discounted items or to learn how you price your products. Uh, such kind of attackers will won't be stopped by Firebase security rules. So Firebase security rules definitely have to be set up, yet they don't do much from the attacker's standpoint of view from mobile app. I mean, do you actually advise people not to use Firebase or do you think Firebase is okay? You just need to add some additional protection to it. Yes, use, of course, use Firebase is as good as any uh, storage service but you should set up additional security layers and uh, build some some other layers of security on top of um, on top of your business logic because uh, this on itself is mainly a database protection and nothing else for example another kind of problem is for example evil admin uh, that is someone who is already in your business and can see in your database and for example you also want to protect uh, stored data against evil admin and in that case you have to also create some uh, encryption which will be uh, on top of your storage service so there are various business cases where you will need to do something on top of the this basic fundamental security. So things like EpiCrypt, FreeRasp, upshielding in general is really uh, important nowadays. I thought I knew enough about security, but I feel like maybe I don't know enough after talking to you. There's way too many ways to stay on top of things. I mean, how do you keep up with what's going on? I mean, is there... Uh, a security newsletter or something that, that you're always reading to kind of keep up on things? Or how do you kind of keep up on the latest attacks to kind of keep ahead of uh, potential hackers? I I follow all the hackers who are publicizing open in the industry. So I learn what uh, what are current trends from, from the source. Uh, 
Uh, I also follow the current security bulletins because, for example, Android has uh, really great security bulletins where they uh, enumerate all the bugs and fixes they've fixed for the current release. Uh, I also uh, follow people on Twitter who talk about security and there are a lot of people. So uh, there is no single source of security knowledge. You, um, I, you have to like follow the uh, the the or knowledge base from many sources. Uh, unfortunately, there is no like single security bulletin, especially for mobile developers. So it's still uh, quite great field to start uh, security consulting if you are into it. We have another question over here from Tony Thomas. Tony's asking, what's the pricing model for Epicrypt and is there any discounts for startups? The security, uh, the pricing model of Epicrypt and our services is uh, like on-demand uh, discussed. So if you are interested, it can be discussed on um, uh, for your specific case. But uh, we usually set a pricing based on the assumed number of uh, users installs for your whole business. So we usually have some price uh, for businesses above 1 million of uh, users. And uh, uh, we usually like to, I won't give you prices or numbers because I don't know them by head, but it's like, it will save you three months of work on your site uh, or more. So it's like three months of your work. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's yearly based play plan. So it's a subscription service, but we don't have any back ties to us because that would make it unsecure. So we just create, give away all the resources, all the necessary uh, packages and everything, install, install guide. And uh, you are then, we only support you and give you updates, but we don't uh, have any back ties to us because uh, that would be like an unsecure un un or bad way. So uh, if you want, we can discuss this individually, but as I said, for example, the free RASP can be tried completely for free and it's really the best offer we can give because it's free and you will maybe love us because I think that the free RASP is really superb package in terms of security and really popular, as I said, thousands of applications. Uh, that's good. I mean, it's good to at least get an idea how useful this could be because, uh, you know, some of these tools are, of course, they're, they're probably very good and worth the price, but they're a little bit high for somebody to, you know, plop down some money on it. At least we can get an idea by trying out the free one. The it's called free free wasp, right? Free rasp. Yes, yeah, yeah. Free rasp, free and rasp. Yes, it's it's free. Yeah. Of course, we give uh, also trials. So if you would like to try the Epicrypt, you can ask us, and we'll think out some uh, some trial or prepare some trial version for you. So 
it's still discussed individually. Uh, we would like to have some self self care portal where you would set up everything yourself. But uh, we are security guys. We are not uh, web good web designers, so this will have uh, this will be in some future. But for now, uh, we do it manually. This this the, the deployment to the customers. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we got a really good uh, uh, kind of round overview. Is there something special that you wanted people to know about uh, before we start to sign off? Because Firstly, I would like to thank everyone who's uh, hearing this, uh, post listening to this podcast and who's chosen this episode because that means that you are trying to uh, bump up your security and you are doing some, some extra steps to ensure that uh, your customers and you yourself, your business, whatever is secured. So this is uh, the best. Uh, uh, I like love people who uh, like to do an extra step to do security right. So I would thank you for listening to this podcast specifically and uh, definitely try the free RASP and see yourself. Awesome. I think the, the last thing I want to ask is, you know, uh, if people want to get, you kept saying that they get in contact with you, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you or if they wanted to know or like, you know, try and talk to you about using uh, the paid version of, of FreeRest, how are you, uh, you can, Epicrypt, how to get in touch with you? Uh, you can find our website, talsec.app on the internet. It's quite easy to find. So it's Talsec and uh, you can also find me on Twitter if you would like to chit chat with me or follow the sources I publish on my Twitter account. Um, you may be also interested into Security Insights. So we have a blog where we publish regularly our uh, insights in security. For example, recently we uh, released a paper about secure storages. So there is a comparison of secure storages for Flutter. You can also find a free how to hack and how to protect Flutter app guide on our blog. So check the ASIC website and our blog and maybe you'll find something that will be beneficial for you. Awesome. Uh, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate this talk about security. I think you and I will both agree that security is always the last maybe even never considered to even thought about sometimes, which is just sad, but it's there's definitely a, quite a few small things that you could do. And I think those scanners that you mentioned earlier are definitely uh, a really good step to go forward. Uh, again, I want to thank you for coming on and hopefully have you back again in the future. Yeah, thank you, Ellen, and I hope to see you in the future. Goodbye.